Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, I've just met the future of American Community College Education. <laughs> the future's name, Kala McKnight, soon to complete her doctorate in organization development and change at Bowling Green State University, where I first met her and learned about her when I visited virtually one of the, her graduate classes. And I thought, this person speaking with such poise and grip and character, I want to know more about her and I want her on the podcast. So here she is. She is gripping and has lots of character and you're going to hear a lot of reasons in a very short amount of time who she is and why I think she has the future of community colleges in this country in her grasp even if it only is one college at a time she's got it folks one 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 of the many fun things about being at 241 episodes of the practice podcast is that just when I think I've said, okay, I think that's a lot. That's probably enough. I thought, no, I have to talk with Carla McKnight. Now, Carla, I'm not saying you're going to be the last one because after I said that I've lined <laughs> up three more people. So sure, this thing sure. is, it just keeps going on and on, which is an aspect of the nature of practice. It's something you get results you love the results, you want more. And uh, so, uh, but I am delighted that we've connected. Uh, I think probably the first time you saw me was when I spoke to one of your classes in the doctoral program, Bowling Green State University, Doctorate Organization and Change. And uh, the, the professors had invited me to talk a bit about practice and Peter Vail. And uh, I think I heard you say a few things, and I thought, hmm, Carla McKnight, she's got something on the ball. <laughs> I need to talk to her. And in part because of what you're doing uh, there in Florida. Uh, and uh, it's, it, it, let's start with that. Uh, welcome to the Practice Podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank what you are you doing me. in Florida? What are you what doing? What am I down doing? There? Yeah, you know, just, just what are you doing in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. So, uh, so I have the privilege of serving as the vice president of organizational development and human resources in a community college here in uh, Orlando, Florida. We serve Orange and Osceola counties, and so um, in that work. Uh, a couple of things that we're doing, just a few, you know, post-pandemic, um, but a lot of it is really trying to figure out uh, where we are and where we're headed amid all of the change that is occurring in the world. And so, um, although when I first applied for the DODC program, I did not know I would be in this role, certainly so much <laughs> of what I do uh, on a daily basis is about um, wide-scale systems change and how do we get um, higher education, who isn't necessarily notoriously known for being uh, quick at change and good at change, how do That's we... That's kind of true. Um, yeah, yeah, I've been in the, I've been in the field for 60 years, so I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But so now change, change is inevitable now. Absolutely. And I will inter interrupt one more point, though. 
uh, one of the reasons that I've always had a fondness for the community college or community junior college movement sure. is that it is predicated on change. In other words, if it's usually named for its county or its town, sure. and uh, as that uh, community and town changes, so are the learning requirements, some technical, certainly, but some, but always about uh, how can we keep people who, when they finish high school, keep them on a learning on a learning path for our town. And access is, is a very big thing, always has been. Uh, and so I, when I saw that you were working in Florida Community Colleges, we used to look when we were developing one up here in Connecticut, we'd look to Florida, not Miami-Dade sure. and some of the, because Florida really put out some of the first real uh, comprehensive community colleges. Absolutely. Uh, be before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been around for a while. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And the and, beauty about it is uh, really, I think, and I, I am a product, a proud product of a community college. Uh, so mm -hmm. I enrolled um, as an 18-year-old, I transferred from uh, to the university from there was really it's meeting the student where they are which is something that is so important to me. As a matter of fact, you mentioned access. That is one of our goals uh, as an organization is to provide as many pathways as possible to as many people are, as possible that are looking for change on a personal level. I want to be tomorrow different than I am today. And so I get the privilege of of uh, being a vehicle through which those sorts of things can occur. And that's that's what excites me about not just the work, but doing the work within our context and community colleges. Yeah. Yeah, and seeing those results. Have you been in that role or or any other role there long enough now that you've seen the fruits of the labor, the some of your graduates and where they are now and what they're doing? Absolutely. So I've been here since I was actually an intern uh, in my master's program. So I've been within my organization for 13 years. Okay. Um, so I, you really have seen some I, output. Absolutely. My my first, um, my first, I taught for a couple of semesters and my first student um, in, uh, I taught a freshman seminar course, I recently graduated with her master's and has recently opened up her own um, like, uh, it's like a kind of a, one of those new wellness centers sort of things. And yeah. just watching her blossom is just, it's absolutely yeah. incredible. So yeah. you get to see, I don't see it as much now because I'm on the administrative side. So I'm not yeah. working as closely with students, but you do see those success stories. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, even in the, the few years that I worked in, in establishing a community college here in Connecticut with some other very talented people. Uh, I was with them long enough to see the the very uh, once very tentative. I don't know if I really should be here kind of person. I'd meet in the lobby sure. uh, to a person who was you know cap and gown and had the babies in their arms and you know absolutely. So you're part of something that's really deeply deeply important to every American community. So I wanted to. First, congratulate you on that work. Thank you. Uh, and uh, now you uh, have moved into a, a, a very important leadership position, Carla. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned before I rudely interrupted you that, you know, <laughs> you were going with so many changes, just hitting, hitting, hitting up against, you know, the the sides of the community college uh, ship 
and and the waters are kind of choppy. Uh, so you're in these conversations with people who are trying to steer this very large institution Absolutely. through all these changes and and pleasing the funding sources, the public sources, and all the rest. Right. How come you don't have white hair like I do? <laughs> I do. You just can't see it. <laughs> I mean, I I had it smooth sailing back in the sixties and seventies when I was doing it. Was hardly any. Now I can't imagine. Being, and I was an administrator, and it was, it was pretty rough. I mean, sure. in a good way. It, it's just that my head never stopped spinning. Absolutely. Uh, what's it like for you on a on a on a good day, and maybe not such a good day? Yeah, on on a good day, it's actually very similar than a to a bad day, <laughs> although That's the nature good. of the circumstance might be different. On a good day, I feel like I am adding value. Um, and on a bad day, I feel like I'm adding a little bit too much value because of the nature of the circumstances that oh, we are. I get it. Are yeah. Producing. yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I say, uh, so in addition to just changes happening in higher education in total, we also have an incredible um, new president who is in her second year. Uh, June was her uh, the two year anniversary of her um, of her joining. And so we have uh, under her leadership, she had new ideas about the structure of our organization in total. And that brings to us quite a few leadership changes. Um, and so some of my best moments are actually uh, being in the rooms uh, with our faculty, staff, administrators, um, thinking about new and innovative ways to impact change in the lives of students. One thing that you mentioned certainly about the community college system is that focus on student um, mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. I uh, thoroughly appreciate. And so regardless of how stressful it is, the context, the, the changing nature of it, is to be an equal party at the table, right? Although I am representing organizational development, change human resources, we are all a group of people who are focused on our students. Um, and that in and of itself is kind of what drives me. Um, there are days where I am in high demand and those are the, the hardest days because either uh. because of um, there is a certain, you know, case or something that has kind of gotten a lot of attention or um, yeah. there is quite a bit of shift with so much change comes different expectations, oh, yeah. uh, different ideas, different outcomes. Um, and so internally and externally, we get called upon a lot to support those. But I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by a team who not only prepares me to be in those conversations, but to be great thought partners because we all need them on, on those difficult days. Yeah, I, I can picture faculty life. It wasn't that long ago that I retired. Uh, and uh, I can see how a faculty tend to be focused on their discipline. And so they, they kind of move at the pace of their discipline, whether it's sure. sociology or history or whatever. And uh, you want, uh, from an organizational behavior standpoint, you want faculty to stay with you long enough so that they secure, they feel that they have the freedom to do what they need to do, and so that they get the pleasure of having a student come back like you did five, ten years later. Sure. So you want the continuity, and so I can see why faculty members uh, hold very tightly uh, to what keeps them on the beam absolutely yeah every if you change departments if you change divisions if you change whatever we call the structure these days 
they're in a system. So they feel that uh, possible disruption. Overall, the new president with new ideas, I mean, from the faculty perspective, the, norm, the average faculty person in your very large system, how are they doing? It varies based on the discipline, on the individual. And I, and I say that to some extent because um, there's quite a bit of attention on some disciplines more than others. Oh, yeah. um, and that may be from a funding perspective, that may be a positive, right? So there's a lot of focus on our workforce education programs. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes with it a lot of times funding, but also a lot of new expectations. And so there there is there are those components. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the shift in higher education is such that students are telling us with their feet um, where they want to be. <laughs> and so uh -huh. that true. in and of itself creates a different um, ideas uh, uh, for faculty about I must do something different, um, either in my instructional strategies. And so as is the case with any sort of change effort, you have people that are on varying uh, perspectives of that curve. Some embrace mm. that transition to uh, at one point we went primarily remote, except for those oh, programs yeah. Yeah. Um, that are hand, you know, hands on programs. And that was a huge shift for a lot of people. And I, I can't imagine that. Absolutely. Well, I can't imagine. I've heard a lot about it. <laughs> But I can't yeah, imagine yeah. for you, because that was going on at the same time you were starting into your next degree into the doctoral programs. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So that, wow. that transition was pretty, pretty intense. And then some got accustomed to it. And now some students are showing up with their feet, right? Like with their feet saying, we want to be back on campus. So, it's, you know, back to another transition. So yeah, um, yeah. I would say it runs the gamut. Some people are excited, happy, uh, you know, embracing the change and in innovation. Some are are uh, reluctantly embracing um, some of it. And some candidly are, are a little worried about the future of higher education, the future yeah. of, of their uh, roles uh, in total. Yeah, that's very fair, and 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 it would 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 not sound right if you said everyone was just hunky dory. Because yeah, I'm looking right. at I'm looking at the the national situation in higher ed. I still read the Chronicle, sure, uh, pretty much every day, and uh, oh, the trend in recent chronicles, as well as in the professional society meetings that I've gone to last last summer, uh, it, it is about really see change level, SEA change level of the faculty future sure. in higher education from the most elite private to, you know, the most open public. Uh, and in part from just what you said, uh, the buying community, which I'm sure faculty would say, oh, we can't call them customers. I used to say, <laughs> I'm in a business school. We can yeah, call students sure. customers because the last I heard, their tuition just paid my for my lunch. <laughs> right. So, but it was always that, but there was always that feeling that we just exist because we serve the state or we serve the church or whatever the founding authority was that got us started as a college. And, and so we're all kind of fine. And then maybe there'll be a few gifts and grants and so forth. But really, it's moved toward very much tuition-driven, always was in community college, from my expect, even though there are some states that have gone to free tuition. Connecticut, sure. I believe, is trying to do that, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, but still, uh, it's not just money. It's presence. It's time. If we can't do, you and I, any of, as, as fellow educators, cannot do our job if if we don't have 
what we used to call attendance. But if you think about it, attend to. Sure. We need them to attend to the line of study that we've laid out. Uh, we need the eyes. We need their hearts and souls as they move ahead. Absolutely. And so all these changes that you've talked about very eloquently have to keep moving toward holding on to that attendance, sure. earning earning the uh, even the excitement of of students about coming back uh, next week to see what the lesson's going to be next week. Absolutely, kind of <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think um, overall, you know, our faculty, uh, we have a great group of faculty, just like, you know, you know, most colleges and universities do. It's mm -hmm. it's understanding the the need, I think, is the challenge for some. But even once they do, it's how what does that mean for me? Um, sure. And how, how does that translate into my classroom, into my engagement in terms of my expectations mm -hmm. and ensuring that this conversation about access isn't conflated with a conversation about rigor uh because depending on the oh, nature yeah. of the the discipline there is this belief you know maybe this belief and again i'm not speaking uh, of just our faculty in total but that one may impact the other that to be mindful of what our students experience and to be mindful of engagement and to be mindful of of our learning outcomes may impact rigor um, itself. And I, I'm super happy to know that within my organization, at least, we've said that they are not mutually exclusive. Like you, you, no, no, not you at must all. maintain yeah. rigor and also be really intentional about student success in different yeah. ways. And so that that is that is one thing that that I uh it it's it's a it's tough, but but we are we are navigating mm. that terrain as well. Yeah, well, I, I think. Rigor is a service to the future of those students. Absolutely. I, mean, I had those conversations over the years. Why do you have, ask me to read so much, Professor Fear? Why do I have to write so much? Why do I? And, uh, and I said, well, it's because I'm, I'm really mean and I don't like it. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I say, look, I, I have one uh, part of my brain in the real world. I do sure. some consulting and, I do some research out there, and I can tell you that anything that I've asked you to do in this course, sophomore course in organization, in management, sure. is just the simplest, easiest thing compared to the day that you start a job at uh, Travelers Insurance or down at Stanley Works or Absolutely. wherever you're going to go. Absolutely. And you hit the ground running. Absolutely. You don't get a honeymoon. People don't come <laughs> up and... Is there anything I can teach? No, no. You got to go in there, hungry for learning, <laughs> figuring it out. But you yeah. must be able to read whatever there's in front of you on the screen. You read it well and understand it. You have to do a lot of writing. So, yeah, now it's going to be more typing than whatever. But the point is it translates. And rigor, now imagine if you let rigor go out of your nursing program. Absolutely. Uh, no, don't bring the that nurse. Exactly. Don't, right, don't bring right. that nurse into my <laughs> into my bedside. Yeah. I mean, so rigor is important, and you and you get it. And I think that's pretty wonderful. <clears throat> I, I we're talking shop, but I really want to know more now about you. Sure. Uh, when you you started uh, at that com community college, what what did you do before that? When before you very early in your career that let's ask it this way that gave you that bug for wanting to be associated with education and learning sure 
What 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 do so, you think kicked that off in your life? Absolutely, my father. So um, mm. my my dad um, is a brilliant man, and uh, he education just was not the space for him. Uh, when he graduated from high school, he was more focused on he and my mom got married young, and then they had my brother and I. And um, he was working in uh, sales back in the day where it was commission based. And oh, he right. had the, with the combination of his intellect and his gift of gap, he was able to, I mean, he could sell you the shirt off his back, right? Like that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was his thing. He may had to. I mean, you guys. Like exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it was also very physically demanding and demanding in time because the more you work, you, the more certainly you, you got paid. And so, all was fine and, and and good until he got in a really bad car accident. Uh, he was hit head on. Um, uh, so he was coming home late from work one night and someone um, ran a, a red light. And the only reason he survived is because he had a, a old school Ford Bronco and uh, it totaled the car. But he was he was OK, um, but not OK enough to lift and move refrigerators. Uh, not okay enough to, you know, do stand on his feet for 12, 13 hour days during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so he, uh, he, with the encouragement of my mother, decided to enroll in a community college because, you oh, know, he, wow. he no longer had the, the option to do that work. And he only at the time had a, had a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And so he went back as an adult learner. And because my mother was the one working full time, I spent a lot of my time on a college campus uh, and mm-hmm. on a community college, the very community college that I actually graduated from. And I just fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the energy. It always just felt like the air blew differently. Uh, on I, a get it. I get it. I get it. Everyone's going somewhere like they yeah. know where they're going. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I just felt growth and change when I was present there. But then I also saw it reflected in my life because I went from, although he was a very highly engaged father, he was at work all the time. Right. So I knew I had his attention on Wednesdays. Uh, but if we were going to maintain that quality of life, we were going to have to do so on Wednesday. And so he worked him his way up from being in college prep. I mean, he started at the time where there were still college preparatory classes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to getting his uh, associates, bachelor's, master's, and then specialist, and later ended up going back to run the very college prep program that he had graduated from. And oh, I, Carla, that's an amazing story. Amazing. Right. And so I said, I if I'm going to do anything with my life, I think I want to create new tomorrows or, or help that. That um, is. That's uh, it. For, that's for other people. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's what, my origin story. Yeah. So that's a wonderful story. And uh, so when you started choosing uh, your course of study, what what sort of courses did you take that get you all? Yeah. So I, I started in business um, because I knew I was uh, I'm coming from a family of entrepreneurs or people that were salespeople. And so I thought that would be the route. And uh, as I was in the community college, I started working as a student ambassador. And I said, wait, this is a job. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can actually mm-hmm. do this for 
um, mm-hmm. a living and there really isn't an undergraduate program in higher education. And so when I transferred to the University of Central Florida, I stuck with the business because I'd already done the prerequisites in the community college. Sure. Um, but I continued working in the university. I worked in conduct. I worked in housing. I mean, I, I worked in a variety of positions at the university. So right. when I graduated, I said, why would I go into a world, into the business world? Um where the environment does not give me the same air when I can transition into the higher education space. And so I got a master's degree um, in higher education and policy studies. Um, And so um, that was kind of where I thought I was headed, which is what landed me to the community college that that I work now. I did an internship there. Um, to just see, like, I experienced it as a student. But yeah, the, the theory is great, but what's exactly. the practice? Even <laughs> though you've seen a lot of practice, you hadn't been a practitioner of, Absolutely. of the sort that you would when you did that Absolutely. internship. That must have been very valuable. Uh, now, uh, as you move in now and you're in the, you've got your master's, congratulations, and you're, and you're finding your way through this, uh, very, uh, uh I, I picture ten thousand octopi, all, <laughs> all holding holding tentacles, and yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and all moving and wiggling, absolutely. Uh, but you know, octo- octopuses uh, <laughs> are pretty darn intelligent, from what I've yeah. been seeing on Nova. Sure. So, but you're you're in you're in that kind of environment now. What gave you the itch to want to uh, go on and? move into the HR and then the OD side of things because obviously they're, they're simpatico. It was actually survival, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I had zero interest in HR and OD. I mean, I was a faculty member. I taught in a freshman seminar course, but um, I was in a relationship at the time where both of us were on It wasn't a grant, but it was a part of the quality uh, uh, enhancement plan. And so Mm -hmm. there only was a short period of time. Yeah, soft money, we called it. Exactly. Whether or not it would be sustained. Um, And so although I really love the work, I got a random phone call one day from the then vice president of human resources, organizational development and human resources. And uh, she was like, essentially, would you like to come be a director of ODHR? And I looked at the phone a couple of times, like, does she know she's calling? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) We can call her ID. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, Tony, is that you faking it? Because it's a prank. It's a terrible (laughs) prank. Um, But I, but I asked her. I I said, uh, you know, I have zero experience uh, in OD and HR, right? And she said, um, you know, I can teach you that. Everything else that you need, you already have in you. Um, And so uh, that really I thought about it for a while and said, although this is the combination of wanting to do something new and also let me just make sure that I can, you know, survive with two incomes coming out of the same budget. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would give it a give it a shot. And uh, I fell in love. I fell in love with particularly the OD side of of things because it kind of brought those two very distinct areas of my life together. Yeah. We had the business components with the people yeah. components and the context yeah. of higher education with mm-hmm. also the leadership stuff. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't really intentional, I would say, or by my own design, someone's perhaps, um, but it was the perfect blend 
of what I feel like I can uh, contribute to. And so that was how, and and then from there, I just said, let me dig in deep. I opened up a new campus and fell in love with the talent process specifically. Mm, and from the help, development. Help bring and, in a whole faculty and staff. Yes, absolutely. That's really, that's, that's a life remembering kind of thing. And you, walk, you can drive by that institution, say, and and I do it often. That's, 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 that's <laughs> yeah, my yeah. my campus. Yeah. My footprint. A lot yeah. of pride there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you you know you you've you've achieved that kind of uh, internal recognition and status. Uh, why why bother to, all the trouble of a doctorate? Yeah, you know I'm making a face, folks. You can't see that on the podcast because <laughs> I'm teasing. I I I can I answer. I know the answer to this question, but I want yeah. to hear it from Kyler McKnight. Well, part of it was wanting to learn more uh, okay. because I I had I fell into the practice before I understood the scholarship, <laughs> and so I was just testing out things and reading things and doing mm-hmm. things based on a combination of intuition and experience and a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And so part of me as the learner said, you know what, like, I want to make sure that I am, if I am given this, this mantle, so to speak, that I am doing it justice, that I'm doing this institution who I have given, but they have also given me so much mm-hmm. um, justice of doing it well, because this is a, there is a science and an art to this. Yes, and, there is. Um, <laughs> so, so let me see what I can learn. So that was a huge piece of it. And then another just, very practical part of it is I don't ever like someone to tell me no based on something I don't have. And Ah. so I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go next, but within Ah. the academy, within higher education, certainly a doctoral degree is, is important. It is, it is important. And once you have one, they can't, uh, they can't can't, tell you no about that. (laughs) They can tell you no about other things, but you're absolutely right. It it, it is the coin of the realm. And, and I, now but you're in Florida. There, there, there probably were doctoral programs in Florida. Sure. But, but you, you're involved in a program in Ohio. Yeah, I am. Um, hey, hey, that's not in Florida. I don't know if you not, know. It's not you Floridians, you think the whole world is Florida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, so, I was looking uh, for the right one. There you go. Uh, the you the go. one that would un- not only understand and accommodate practice but would appreciate it Mm -hmm. um and i was looking for one that would give me the opportunity to experience some things that i didn't as an undergrad which was a sense of of very deep community and a cohort base um i when i proceeded throughout my career or my my education i didn't think of studying abroad. It wasn't a part of my worldview. But then Mm -hmm. as I continued working, I understood the importance of it, um, Mm -hmm. studying abroad. And I was like, if I'm going to do a degree that will be my terminal degree, I want to spend some time in another country learning about the ways Mm -hmm. in which other people engage. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a very unique feature of this program that, that has a uh, uh, a uh, study abroad uh, component, a course that it that is involved in another area. So yeah, um, that cool. was another draw too. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the literature, the, the things that you um, are encouraged to read, required to read, is that helping you now to you know? Because you mentioned 
the scholarship aspect. And the scholarship isn't just writing. It, it's it's absorbing whatever literature's there. I know of a terrific book. It's called On Practice as a Way of Being by Firon and Vale. <laughs> but no, my point is, though, that it seems to me that one of the things we claim with with our doctorates is that we have uh, we have a responsibility sure. to keep reading articles and and reading books and now reading things that are digitally available and sure. keeping our minds uh, on what I consider an everlasting search. Absolutely, for that just that one, and it's never more. It's always more than one. That one idea, that one citation, that one combination of what people have put together uh you say it's an art and a science yeah some of the best literature in organization studies is art poetry uh fiction uh film music you know so but but still you have to find a time to read all that and do your writing (laughs) yeah top of extremely busy job so what do you think about that aspect of your doctorate the the reading stuff Absolutely. No, it has been um, a labor of love. Um, what mm-hmm. I what I can say is that the words mean more after I've read them. Uh. Uh, <laughs> so in, in real time, when things are connected to just an assignment or perhaps, uh, you know, the research, um, I'm reading it within that context. And, and that's the lens through which I kind of digest it. What has been absolutely fascinating is three weeks later, six weeks later, 10 weeks later, <laughs> I'm in I'm in a conversation and I'm listening or I'm thinking about a communication cascade or I'm putting together an intervention because I'm an internal uh, OD consultant, putting together an intervention and thinking about the OD cycle. So watching those things come to, to life um, in a way that uh, without the scholarship, I don't know that I would feel as confident as I would yeah. in some of those things, yeah. because now I know it's backed by something. And then without the practice, I don't know that I would understand them in the same way Yeah, uh, because there is a real life tangible example. And so um, the, the, to a point, like literally to a page, there are times that I have been in situations and said this is this theory or this is it's literally happening in front of me and i can think of a a chart or a framework or a model in a way that's actually scary um so that that's a part of it um and then dave jameson's work on use of self fundamentally change how i view myself uh in this role and my ability um, and the reason why, right, not having an HR background, not having an HOD uh, background, not knowing the difference between payroll and compensation less than 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it brings with it questions about, <laughs> you know, how can I lead this machine in this time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and um, understanding that what I bring to the table is more than technical expertise, it's that ability oh, yeah. to engage um, yeah. is one that's the I think perhaps it remains to be seen, but the greatest gift that this program ha- has given me is the exposure to that content and and being in his class that changed the way I view myself in in yeah. the future. Yeah, he he's a terrific guy. He was a, a a colleague and personal friend of Peter Vale's, and one of the very first persons 
that was in my podcast uh, soon after Peter died. He had, Peter had wanted me to reach out to David, uh, and, and he and uh, and uh, I, I, I can't give credit to her name because I, but his co-author wrote a uh, a terrific yeah. paper um, about uh, about Peter. And so when you mentioned David, anytime I see him, of course. I have tremendous respect, but I love that idea of uh, use of self. What folks Absolutely. who are listening here, basically, I, I don't want to do it credit, but uh, when you are, if you are going to have a formal role as an organization development consultant, uh, that's sort of where it all it kind of starts off. Then uh, w- what you have to offer is your is your presence, is your attention. Uh, and once you're in uh, the living system called an organization, in the moment that you've arrived, you start researching and thinking about what you can do to help these people. And so you don't come in with a, a tool bag, per se, or anything right. else. You are first and foremost a, hu- a fellow human being, but you you should be kind of a special human being, wouldn't you say? That's quite an obligation. Absolutely. Now, my point of view is you are that way, use of self in any role you undertake. Uh, If you're doing, if you happen to be in the compensation conversation, uh, which sounds like it's nothing but dollar cents, you know there's a huge human component there and many, many organizational components possibilities that could come from a well or poorly made decision about compensation or any of those things. So you're in a way you're always going to be uh, on call to have that more comprehensive view of, of the whole organization as a system, but also have the kind of character that you already had before you started all of this from what Absolutely. i've heard in our conversation but if you're char- <laughs> but you've honed your character you know you've realized that that's what matters overall when we had the last uh, uh bill brendel put together a, a, a study with uh, ed shine uh, a couple of months ago um, and i was fortunate to have been part of that um, as as a as a learner, and in uh, uh, the next morning after that uh, video a Zoom session, Ed Shine passed away suddenly at ninety four. But right up to that last moment, uh, he was um, more or less talking about the importance of character. Absolutely, uh, uh, not just the the consultant, but the the people you counted on. He was presenting, uh, we presented one of the cases that he wrote years back, and he was talking a little bit indirectly uh, through this exercise about how important it was to have um, honorable and responsible and persons of high integrity uh, that you were uh, coaching and helping because otherwise, <laughs> you know, run run quickly to the parking lot and don't even <laughs> stop at the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so let me wrap, uh, move toward the time here. But um, five years from now, you've got your doctor, your doctor, Dr. Carla McKnight. <laughs> uh, are you still in community college work? I am absolutely still in community college work. Um, and 
And I think it's finding ways to contribute uh, in in my organization and beyond that yeah. um, because I, I love what I do. I love the opportunity to do it within my organization, but oftentimes, unlike some of our partners in the university sector, we don't have the same resources. We don't have the same access mm-hmm. to uh, the types of things that an institution of my size um, has access to. Uh, and so um, not only do I hope to still be in community college sectors, um, but doing the work uh, both within my institution, but supporting others as well, because they they don't have, um, don't always have this, this sort of niche in between internal consultant of OD, but they're dealing with the same no, it's challenges. Very, it, it, they have exactly <laughs> the same challenges. And it's, a, it's a crucial role you're playing, but I love the idea that you see in your, in your future that you could be reaching out and helping some of the smaller community colleges in your, in your grasp. And now it would, virtually, you don't have to sure. literally drive there Absolutely. and have conversation and have um, some, uh, impact on on how they can uh, keep themselves going. And again, to wrap this around to the beginning, an ex- a sign of extraordinary change. Absolutely. We don't even know who's going to be president in a year. And imagine Absolutely. after that, no matter what, yeah. all the things that are going on. And yet we go back to that person, and I can still picture her, who was very timidly standing in the lobby uh, of the storefront, basically, that sure. we had when we started my community college and she was saying i'm not sure if this is right the right place for me because granted it looked like it looked like it uh didn't look like a college at that time and yeah. i said well it it it's the right place and we're the right people what do you want to do right uh and uh, w- with your time and she said well I, i've always wanted to be you know how that goes. Sure, but i sure. never thought i could and i have five kids and this that and they yeah. load all the, the weights of the world on on that conversation on reasons why they need to turn and walk out that door absolutely and i'll come back when i feel more ready and i remember and i see it in you too why don't we just take one step that's it take just one, one class <laughs> we'll fit it in see how it goes Absolutely. And most most kinds of four year colleges, you know, they can't do that. They're too right. they're, But a community college and say one course, you're you're just as honored here as if you were taking a full load. One hundred. You get that person going, and then you see your Carla, you know, uh, a few years from now, and she comes over at a restaurant, and says, "You know, you were there the day that I changed my life." And, and that's what we have the opportunity to do. You know, oftentimes community colleges are, are considered to be a bridge. And I think that works for a lot of students, but um, it's where we're positioned on the bridge that I think matters most. And we have that unique because because some of our students, they need support getting to the bridge. Right? Like they can't even Absolutely. get on it, Absolutely. much less get across it. And so um, my, my goal ultimately when, when I when I finish this degree and then beyond is to try to uh, not only make sure that the bridge is structurally, you know, solid and that that we have a strong foundation and the right people are on the bridge at the right time to support, but that we understand and keep our students that are trying to traverse these waters and these mountains mm-hmm. from experiencing all of that swirl. Because at the end of the day, their lives are, so many of them are complicated enough. And yeah, and 
and and what what we all of the stuff that we experience that our faculty experience that our staff mm-hmm. should not impact their ability for future because they have the opportunity to change generations to come they have the opportunity to change their zip codes right they have an opportunity mm. to 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 have uh, mobility in a way that can can change the trajectory of of a nation of people and so that my goal is is to do that in whatever way that i can specifically within community colleges it's gonna happen and uh and uh, and you've made me want to start all over again (laughs) (laughs) and go back to community college work because it it really is uh, the the place where you get to see all the things you just described and more and also now i can say that it probably, if, if there's people there in your college who are as wonderful as you, Carla, it is uh, the place to go visit. Now, give us the name of the of your college. Yes, so Valencia, can... Valencia College in Orange and Osceola counties in Central Florida. Okay, so you know, you go say, Carla McKnight sent me, and then and <laughs> you and you're buying the coffee. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. Because of my tens of thousands of listeners now, you may never have a free moment because everyone's going <laughs> to want to come and see you at Valencia. Absolutely, uh, Carla McKnight. Thank you so much, and thank I, I look you. forward to the day I can see your graduation and happening on on, uh, on Zoom. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Hopefully August, knock on wood, we're, uh, we're on a path. So I appreciate August is, it. August is almost tomorrow. I mean, you it are is, close. Right? It feels like it. it you are like close. It. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, Apple Podcasts or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and one more thing. How could I forget? The book, On Practice as a Way of Being, is available now in digital form, something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us. And it's a a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www my library one word dot world slash practice and you'll see what i mean thank you